This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It is the Ring Runner Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined on a playoff Saturday night by Nora Princiati. Nora, what's going on? We go now to the field where we're joined by game-winning San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy. We're also joined by Stephen Ruiz, and the reason Nora says this is because Stephen is very upset that Jimmy Garoppolo was the post-game interview with Tom Rinaldi. If I was doing a ranking of the top 10 49ers people that should get interviewed before Jimmy like you would have at least two assistant coaches on there a fan in the stands who braved the cold to watch that nonsense Debo Samuel would be on there twice Packers special teams coach Marie Strayton if we're divvying up responsibility did you see by the way that this this just came out uh there were only 10 guys on the snap for the field goal he wanted to leave one last easter egg for the offseason he's like a, like the riddler the christopher nolan of bad special teams play <laughs> yeah you can just go back and just find different things he's done over the course of the year it's a layered performance they fired their special teams coach last year too so there'll be a new one um okay so we obviously we'll start with that game it's niners 13 packers 10 this was stunning even in the context of the game. Um, I mean, the, the, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play well. Um, Packers offense did not help itself. Packers special teams is obviously to blame, uh, but there's a lot, a lot of blame to go around. Nora, where do you start? Well, okay. Jimmy did not play well, but I will give him credit for this. Only one of the seven interceptions he attempted to throw was actually intercepted. And you gotta, there's something to be said for that. Where you start is that I'm really happy for the Niners defense that they actually got a win out of this because holy smokes, did they deserve it. I mean, just from the game planning to the execution, an absolutely marvelous thing to watch. Yes. Steven, if there's one kind of scheme thing that that you noticed tonight what was it honestly it's been amazing watching their defense over like the last month just how well they play zone defense they play it so well and they're so coordinated that it's almost it almost plays out like man at one point it was almost 90 percent zone they were throwing it at rogers and i mean you might wonder how smart of a strategy that is against a team that has Devonte adams because sometimes you end up with Devonte adams on a linebacker but 
I like the strategy of letting Devontae cook and just making sure nobody else beat them. I think that's a it worked out in the end. I, I think he was the only receiver that caught a pass. I might be wrong about that. Lazard had that one late, but it was the other, it was the only other one. Yeah, so I, I don't know. D'Amico Ryans has just been super impressive. I mean, if Brandon Staley gets a job after one one season, I don't see how Ryans doesn't. And if, if Josh McCown gets an interview and maybe a job off of being friends with Jack Easterby, maybe you should look at the All-Pro who used to play for your franchise, who's now coordinating one of the best defenses in football. Just a thought. Just a thought. I know the Texans want to do things differently, but maybe you want to go with that guy. Um, was there anything that stood out to you about the Packers, Stephen, and why? I'm like throwing zone at Aaron Rodgers. Is it, we're not going to do the whole like, you know, thing we did with Mahomes, where it's like, oh, just put two safeties back there. Like, obviously, teams have thrown zone at Rodgers before. What was wrong with Aaron Rodgers tonight? I don't know. Do you think there was something wrong with it? I think it was just the 49ers pass rush. That in the second half, you saw him start to drop his eyes. I, it's something you didn't see for even like the last two seasons, but at the end of the Mar- uh, Mike McCarthy era, it was something that happened a lot, and maybe he wasn't trusting receivers to get open. I don't know, but I thought he started to feel the rush a little bit. And Nick Bosa, it seems like every big game he just dominates and takes over, and this was another example of that. Nora, what's the ceiling on this 49ers team? Shoot, so we should talk about the injuries because, unfortunately, it felt a little bit like they put everything they had into this, and we saw... Kittle get banged up. We saw Debo Samuel hop off the field in what we were talking about this offline. The way that Debo hopped on one foot was like the most impressive athletic feat. I think I saw all day. Like he didn't usually, if somebody does that, they're using their other foot for balance. Like one foot is weight bearing, but the other one at least is like a kickstand. I don't think his other foot was – he was just a pogo stick. The man is incredible. I'm a little concerned if Jimmy Garoppolo's got to go win them the NFC Championship game. I'll put it that way. You're a little concerned if the last healthy person is Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, last man standing, Jimmy G. He's very handsome. We can give him that. Were you surprised, Stephen, they didn't even attempt to go with a Trey Lance package? Yeah, I really thought we would see one. I thought this was the week we would see one. The Packers' defense has given up the most scramble yards in the entire league. They've given up the most scrambles in general. And by the end there, it didn't feel like they were ever going to be able to move the ball passing it. And I thought Lance scrambles would give them a better chance of moving the ball than Jimmy dropping back and trying to find receivers and get them the ball. And it would have been a lot less risky. Even like on the fourth down, why not put him in there and at least run some type of read option or or just have him as a decoy? It made no sense not to put him out there. And I'm surprised that they haven't done it in what feels like a couple months outside of his starts. Same question I asked Nora. Like, can this Niners team, as currently constructed, let's assume everyone's going to remain healthy. We might get updates as the pod goes on. But let's assume those guys are going to play. Can this team win two more games? Yeah, I do think they can. We just saw Jimmy play a terrible game, and they beat the MVP on the road, the best team in the NFC. I I don't think he's going to – Jimmy's not this bad. Like, this example is not – that's not what the baseline performance for Jimmy G. So I think we'll get better performance. Okay. Are we sure he's not this bad? I mean, just like I, like the, the pick where he just waited on it and waited on it. Like, that's Jimmy G. Like, he's not going to play this badly all the time. But there, some of his worst plays were plays where if you took the name 
and just made him a shadow, took the name off and made him a shadow and said, who is this? You'd say, that's Jimmy Garoppolo. This was some Jimmy G stuff now. No, no, I agree with that. But I think that Kyle and the running game are going to be able to hide him better in future games. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like, these are the typical Jimmy mistakes. We just saw a lot more of them, but the Packers weren't able to capitalize. So, so we saw a lot more of them. And then they also came in incredibly high leverage situations, right? Like all of those sacks were coming on third down the interception in the red zone, the penalties in the red zone. Jimmy could actually have an equal number of mistakes and have them more evenly dispersed on less high leverage downs and and situations. And he probably ends up with a slightly more productive night. I think the defense is good enough to survive another Jimmy stinker. When you have a pass rush like that and you have a secondary and linebacker core that is so coordinated. Like Fred Warner is one of the two or three best players, defenders in football. I think you have a chance to beat anyone. Like we go two years ago in the Super Bowl, what they did to Patrick Mahomes, I think they could do that to any quarterback remaining in the playoffs. Interesting. Okay. I want to get big picture into what this result means for both franchises because this is monumental for both of them in, in, in the biggest 35,000 foot sense you can possibly imagine. But I also want to get to what this means for tomorrow. Nora, if you were the Niners, would you rather play the Bucks or the Rams? I think I would rather play the Bucks, honestly, because I, I just think that the injury situation in Tampa has crossed a little bit of a threshold. And I'm surprised that I feel that way just because of the quarterback situation. But I, I do think that they are built in a way where if you're going up against a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, at least they can count on trying to control time of possession. And I, I just I, I see Tampa as a little bit of a wounded duck right now. Now they could come out tomorrow and I could look totally silly for saying this. But I just think that the the Rams, it's more did they have self-inflicted issues and I, I just don't see Tampa at full strength so I, I think you go for that Garoppolo and Stafford in the NFC championship game just each trying to throw a pick six would just be stunning like that would be Hysterical. America's like the, the ratings for championship games are massive like 50 million people so there's gonna be like 20 million people who normally don't watch games who are tuning in and saying these are the two best team two best quarterbacks in the conference that's what I want they would give Nickelodeon another game Jimmy G MVP for the for the championship game wait can Steven answer that too because I think that I like like it's, I think my answer is weird, but that's how I feel in my soul. No, I, I agree with you. If I'm the 49ers, I'd rather play the Bucks offense, but I'd rather play the Rams defense, if that makes sense. It, like you look at Kyle Shanahan. Cool. Do you have any more non-answers? <laughs> I'm going to take the Rams. What about which special? And you'd also like to play the Packers special <laughs> right, right, this week exactly. as well. Hey, Kevin, don't get too frisky. We're talking Bengals Titans next. I love that game. All my takes were good. I almost tweeted out a video of you guaranteeing the, the Titans winning their first playoff game. And me and Nora guaranteeing you and them not. I thought it was going to be against the Patriots. That was the problem with that particular take from three weeks ago. But no, I would take the Rams. Just look at the 49ers' recent history against the Rams. Even when they've been the worst team, like Kyle Shanahan seems to have that defense's number. So I don't know. I think the Rams are going to win, but I would rather play them if I'm the 49ers. Okay. So I want to get into, as I said, what this means for both franchises. And there's an obvious place to start and that's the future of Aaron Rodgers um we'll probably get some Aaron Rodgers quotes as this podcast goes on uh, but Nora I want to start with you what changes we have to wait to see what he says because he's been on this press tour basically saying I'm as happy as I've ever been this was the greatest you know football year of of my career I've never had more fun doing it maybe it's maybe it's the end of a chapter but maybe it's the beginning of a new one and 
I don't know if some of that is sort of performative, everything's fine over here attitude stuff or not, but I think we will get a clue when we see how he reacts to being knocked out of the playoffs in, in their first game as as the number one seed. I really, I don't mean to cop out of an answer here. I just don't think that, I think I'm done predicting Aaron Rodgers' behavior. It was interesting, Stephen, because there were some real bright spots for the Packers tonight. Like Rashawn Gary was a legitimate star tonight. Like when you look at that roster, you go, okay, wait, this team can conceivably, if they had mediocre special teams, and, you know, obviously the Niners defense did their job. But, like, you play this game 100 times, the backers do pretty well in most of them. Um, will you come away kind of big picture thinking what about this franchise? You were getting dangerously close to a process over results take right there. Yeah, I don't believe in results anymore. I, I don't believe in wins after the Titans lost today. Okay? I was Mr. Wins, and now that, that, that now Joe Burrow went in there and beat the wins team, and now I don't believe in wins I anymore. Love it. I'm a process guy. I've been asking this question for the last two months. Like, where is Rodgers going to go where it's going to be better? I can't think of a team off the top of my head where it's going to be better, and I'm assuming Rodgers wants some input on, on shaping the roster in his next stop, or maybe it's Green Bay. And if you're picking a team that's already ready-made to win, how, how much – opportunity are you going to have to shape the roster but what does that mean does he just want to add like randall cobb to the steelers yes it's just randall cobb it's not that complicated that's the problem like when brady goes to another team and brings his friends it's like gronk and ab who's who's kind of weird but good and then when it's rogers it's randall cobb and jake kumaro <laughs> and like miles teller <laughs> like this is my crew let's go win a super bowl are you saying that the new team has to sign miles teller he has to be involved somehow like a team ambassador. By the way, Jake Kumaro is still on the Bills. Yeah. So Rodgers was right. He's a winner. He's still playing. Maybe Rodgers should go to Buffalo, back up Josh Allen, and uh, get a second ring. He's got a better <laughs> chance. He didn't target anybody besides Devontae mm-hmm. Adams until late in the game out of protest for not being able to throw to Jake Kumaro. I think this is a, this result is a nightmare for the Packers. I mean, they, they did everything right all season long, and now we're right back to where we were. Right back. And that's why when we did the stakes episode on Wednesday, I said Brian Gutenkunst had the absolute most at stake in this game because people, the media, all the stuff, fans, we're going to say there are other places Rodgers can go that would be better. And I don't know what those are. Like, we, we, we are looking at this rationally and saying if Rodgers was a free agent, the best place for him to go would be Green Bay. But that's not really how a scorned quarterback works. That's not really how the take cycle yeah, this works. This is not a rational choice. Like, if he wants to leave – he will leave and we'll, we'll say, okay, we'll rank those. We'll rank those, you know, and we'll say, okay, well, this, you know, like, I don't think when Peyton Manning left in 2012, I don't think the Broncos were seen as the best fit. I think people said like Arizona was the best fit. Titans were going to give him some ownership stake and then that was maybe illegal. I, I don't really, it was a weird time. Those sort of things don't work rationally. And so I, I think that the, the roster building question will be huge in the next couple of weeks and months. And Brian Kunst can um, become the fall guy for that if Rodgers decides I'm not playing another down for the Packers. Or if he, he might retire, by the way. I mean, who, who knows? So what do you think happens? Do you think he plays for the Packers next year? We have to see the comments. I, I would say this. Devontae getting to free agency was realistic. I think he would leave and bring Devontae with him, but I don't think it's realistic. I think that he's going to get tagged and the Packers aren't going to be let him leave. You know, if I were ranking, I'm for handicapping this, Nora, I would say that the most likely option is the exact same thing that happened last year happens this year. Even though they said, we'll try to accommodate you, they'll just probably just keep trying to talk him into staying. Remember that was the whole thing when he when he signed his, or, or come to an agreement, like we're going to evaluate your situation after next year? 
that doesn't mean necessarily they have to trade him if he asks, unless there's some super secret deal we don't know about. They said they were going to evaluate the situation. Cool. The Packers evaluated the situation. They probably decided that Aaron Rodgers should stay. There is a ton of inherent logic to that. This is a quarterback who was like showing his feet on Zoom a couple months ago. Like, I, I'm out of the prediction game with this one. Quarterbacks being weird is good. Oh, I'm I'm in full support of most of it. My prediction is he's on a podcast for the Super Bowl. Full time? No, no. He's just a guest oh, on yeah. a podcast. Oh, but, it, but we're not putting Aaron Rodgers on Podcaster Watch, are we? I mean, we, I mean, we might. Can we throw out a feeler and try to get him on this podcast? Yeah. Sure. You want to be the point man for that? 100%. <laughs> I think I would end up getting fired. But You would get fired for asking or having him on? If I was the host of the podcast that featured Aaron Rodgers. Mm, good point. All right, so for the Niners, this whole playoff run is amazing for them um, because a couple of weeks ago, months ago certainly, there was talk that Kyle Shanahan was not a good personnel guy. He was hurting the franchise. It's been an incredible turnaround. This win and this run and being in the NFC Championship game where they were two years ago means what, Nora, to this franchise? I think it really validates Shanahan just because this is a team that has some – really, really incredible players and some players that, you know, there's nobody like Debo Samuel on another NFL roster, right? But it's also not a team without clear weaknesses. In the secondary, at quarterback, sorry, Jimmy, again, very handsome. And I think because of the conversation that we had around Shanahan earlier in the season and, you know, his record as their head coach was brought up a lot and the personnel stuff that you mentioned was brought up a lot. I think for them to make another deep playoff run and particularly one where, okay, we're having this conversation about, is he in LaFleur's head? We might be about to have that again with McVeigh. And I, I think it sort of solidifies the fact that he is one of the elite head coaches. Now, I, I think having completely gone away from that viewpoint was a little silly. Um, if that had happened for people, but I, I do think that it's a real big deal for Shanahan. By the way, Matt O'Fleur is on Team Ruiz. He said, quote, I think Aaron did everything he could. He was under a lot of duress. Aaron Rodgers innocent, according to Matt O'Fleur. Uh, hire me, LaFleur. Put me on the staff. He scored 10 points. I mean, I think this is like best case scenario for the 49ers. Like if they make a deep run in the playoffs, I mean, they've already made the deep run. Trading Jimmy becomes easier, I feel like. Owners aren't watching these games. They didn't watch this game. They don't know that Jimmy stunk it up. They just know he won in Lambeau and he beat Aaron Rodgers on the road. I think you can right. you could sell Jimmy, package him, get some of those picks back that you traded for Lance, and then start over next year. I, it becomes harder to do if you win the Super Bowl with Jimmy. But, one, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Two, I like we, we used our eyes. We watched the games. Like We know that Jimmy's not the reason they're going to win. Yeah, the, the deeper of a run they make, the more opportunities Jimmy's going to have to just like do some stuff where they can be like, all right, thank you very much. But like If they win two more games like this, yeah, having that. two more games like this, perfect. We're going to keep an eye on the Rodgers stuff, and if Rodgers talks by the end of this podcast, we'll have a full breakdown of what that looks like. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. 
My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. So let's move on to Bengals 19, Titans 16. Bengals move on to the AFC Championship game. Steven, you said this before the podcast started recording. You said both games were bad football in the best possible way. And I think that's a really good way to describe it. This was certainly that. Your first takeaway. My first takeaway is I hate doing this because they just won and he's won two playoff games now. But Zach Taylor, I'm still terrified of him being in control of Joe Burrow's career. Like, if you didn't see Andrew Luck today when you were watching that game, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's what it felt like. And it wasn't just a bad offensive line. It was play calling. They only had more than five protectors on nine of 46 dropbacks. When you have a bad offensive line, keep a back in the block. Keep a tight end in the block. They didn't do that at all, and I, you saw what happened. I don't know. I'm worried about Joe Burrow. A couple of stats. Number one, obviously, the sack number was insane sacked nine times and i think that tied a a playoff record all-time playoff record obviously joe burrow was sacked most times for any quarterback one in the playoffs goes without saying um when harold landry sacked him it was in 2.6 seconds which was the fastest sack burrow's ever taken in his career um he was getting teed off on uh this was brutal and it was funny because or not funny funny is the wrong word but he basically said after the game he felt fine Tomorrow's another story. He was running on adrenaline at this point. He might be more, he might have, have more bruises than, than we know about at this point. This was a brutal game. Having said that, I'm going to pivot away because I'm not a huge Zach Taylor fan. We talked about this last week on the pod, but I'm going to say something nice about the Bengals, which was this is an amazing run for them. And it just shows you there's so many quarterbacks who we say are culture changers or, hey, they don't have enough help. And Joe Burrow went out and created a culture in really, I mean, a year and a half when you consider that he, he was out with, with a knee injury for, what, 11 months of it, 10 months of it. Like, he was out. He, he couldn't even be on the field for long stretches of it. Like, what he's done is amazing. Zach Taylor's allowed that to happen, so props to him. Duke Tobin, I saw the point today that basically, you know, any Zach Taylor hype is actually should just be Duke Tobin hype because he built a really good team, a really good team with a nasty defense that's able to go into Tennessee and win this kind of game. Nora, your first takeaway. Yeah, I'm really. we need to give Duke Tobin some credit here because so many guys, and it's not just Joe Burrow, and it's not just Chase. Obviously, that's, that's 1A, 1B, and he gets credit there. But guys like Eli Apple, I mean, Hendrickson, it, he, so many acquisitions for them made an impact in this and you know Duke Tobin's kind of a low-key guy like he doesn't have the title people don't talk about him that much but it's a really 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 impressive personnel job that deserves a lot of credit I I am with Steven on the coaching did Zach Taylor miss quick game day in football school I I do not understand why they don't have quicker triggers some of them are on board yeah but it is completely absent from their repertoire I also think like this is the worst case scenario you have a bad offensive line, you have a quarterback who tends to hold on to the ball a long time, and holding on to the ball is what makes him as good as he is because he creates when under pressure. And then you have a coach who just – I don't know what he brings to the table. It's certainly not protecting his quarterback. Today it, it just felt like Burrow was playing on, like on all Madden difficulty all day because of 
Zach Taylor's play calling. It was like, when we get to third down, we're just going to put it all on you. You figure it out before the snap, even though the Titans are throwing all these these weird blitzes at you. I'm not going to help you with protection. Like, it's on you to figure things out. And he's a second-year player. Like, there's so much stress to put on the player, and they've been doing it all season long when you watch their tape. It's like, all right, first and second down, Zach Taylor does his thing, and then on third down, Joe, please save us and bail us out. And then most of the time this year he did. He didn't do it much today, but he did it when it mattered, and I don't know if that's going to work next week. Okay, so there's a couple plays I want to go through. Number one, before the one of the mixed-in touchdowns, the the scramble on third and five from Burrow where he, he lunged for the first down showed so much about the kind of guy he is. First of all, I think the broadcast made a, a, a note of it. Even just him scrambling like that in traffic, uh, what, 13 months after – knee surgery is is important but also he just has this confidence and he can move and I think that's something that probably gets overlooked at this point um but he he's the kind of guy who there's a reason he's able to make these playoff runs it's because he does whatever it takes he got the crap knocked out of him Jeffrey Simmons was an absolute beast today um I think three sacks by himself um I also want to talk about the Mike Hilton interception I kind of feel like if I were a quarterback and was put in an NFL game I would throw interceptions like the ones that Mike Hilton got, where you're just trying to throw an easy screen and you end up just throwing it right to a guy, right? But that was an incredibly impressive play by Mike Hilton. Yeah, but it was a terrible – it was a throw that you would make, like you said. It was an awful throw, but it was kind of athletic. Oh, yeah, it was an awesome play. Like, the Bengals have players. And like you said, Duke Tobin deserves a lot of credit. It's not like he has a lot of front office resources. He has, like, three scouts, like a PFF subscription, like a TI-83 maybe. Well, no, no, I don't know if they have a subscription. They're – they're just like they're near the PFF offices. They probably just walk over. <laughs> they steal PFF's Wi-Fi to log in. And, yeah, they yeah. steal their Wi-Fi. Mike Hilton also uh, made the tackle that set up that sequence. I mean, but that's that's all Duke Tobin. I mean, there's so, this defense. Um, this was not a lot of big ticket items there, with the exception of Trey Hendrickson. Um, DJ Reader is an amazing contributor. Like this is a really, really, really good team. Um, I want to ask the same question I asked in the first part which is if you're Cincinnati, do you want to see Kansas City or Buffalo? Nora. So, gosh, both I think are scary because both the Bills defense is sort of more balanced, but both have pass rushing units that I think can cause real problems. My mind is in a vice right now where I think it's silly to come off of my Chiefs pick for tomorrow, but I really, really, really want to just completely buy into the Bills. Like, I'm just so desperate to do it. And Don't I think how fresh those guys' Don't legs are it. because of how much they rotate um, their front seven is really, really, really something that's nice to have at this point in the year. Every fiber of my being wants to say Buffalo. I'll at least put it that way. Steven? I think the Bills. I don't know. It, it's so hard. Can I do the same thing where I say the, the Chiefs defense and the Bills offense? I'd be surprised if you answered a question at this point. <laughs> no, no, I'd rather play the Bills. And I think it's because Patrick Mahomes is on the other team and also because Chris Jones is on the other team and interior pressure is harder to deal with for Burrow than edge rushers. So I'll go with the, I'll go with the Bills. So when you talk about the legend that is Evan McPherson, University of Florida kicker, drafted last year. Um, so he hit the 52-yarder. And before he did it, he went up to backup quarterback Brandon Allen and said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC championship game. I was thinking about this the other day because I have, I have stupid thoughts in my head. They, I feel like kickers used to be more famous. Like I remember, like I remember going to games in the 90s and like people had kicker jerseys. 
like Mark Hollis jerseys. Like people were into kickers back then. Like Martin Gramatica, people were into Gramatica. Like no one, no one likes kickers anymore. Is Evan McPherson on track to be the most famous kicker in Nora? What? You're the Justin Tucker guy. I, Justin Tucker was on 60 Minutes. They discovered him for the first time, like, 10 years into his career. Yeah, but also, like, Justin Tucker, sorry, Justin Tucker, like, doesn't give bomb quotes like that. What? Justin Tucker does. You can't be, like, the He f- dances. He, have you, you guys are. He does opera. Slander. No, Justin Tucker is amazing, but the Bengals kicker guaranteed a championship game. Like, Evan McPherson sounds like LeVar Ball. Justin Tucker would have said the same thing. Before the no, kick. he wouldn't. He would have done that, and he would have danced while the ball was still in the air. No, he wouldn't have said anything because he's a professional. What are you saying about Evan McPherson? Ooh, bulletin board for Ev. Ev. I can't believe his name is Evan. Cool kickers are good, though. I like cool kickers. Quentin Spain, after a performance in which the offensive line gave up nine. He plays guard for the Bengals. Um, he, the offensive line gave up nine sacks, and Quentin Spain trash-talked Jeffrey Simmons after the game, said some... Really nasty stuff. Um, and then I, I saw a video as well on somebody's Instagram from the Bengals of them also trash-talking Jeffrey Simmons. Nora, do you support getting your ass kicked by Jeffrey Simmons and then trash-talking him after the game? Because you won? Yes. I do too. I do too. You got the yeah. W. It's fine. That is the correct application of outcome over process. I agree. Steven? No, you have to in that situation. You won the game. You get to talk trash like what is jeffrey if jeffrey simmons responds like he looks like the loser because he lost scoreboard score i feel like if that was if that was the afc championship game though i wouldn't give the offensive line like the, sh- the hats and shirts they don't get those like the rest of the team does around them but they don't get the hats and shirts they should have to fly on their own dime like that would be the point yeah just f- find your way home <laughs> and take zach taylor with you or they get those remember a couple years ago when all the teams had those like really ugly flat brims what don't they still have yeah, them? kyle shanahan still wearing them on the sideline i was gonna say when did that when did that stop happening just the coach of the san francisco 49ers decided that was his look when you go to the combine you see a lot more guys wearing flat bill and with huge backpacks like, there's a look there's a look that started on college campuses in like california in 2008 and now it's in the NFL. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? It's just a thing, buddy. So anything else in the Bengals before we get to the Titans? Do you guys think that they have a chance of winning next week based on what you saw this week? I mean, less than they had of beating the Titans, but sure. I mean, like Burrow, uh, they're also not going to give up nine sacks next week, presumably. Yeah. Is this presumable? They might give up 10. They can bring in an extra guy to help out. Um, they have one week to make adjustments. Even Zach Taylor in one week can make an adjustment. He has eight days. Okay, well, he could have made it in the game. I know, but now he has eight one days. One side of your it. offensive line is like getting demolished by pressure. I don't know. Give him a little bit of help. In-game adjustments? Someone's going to suggest keeping it back in the block, and Zach Taylor's going to be like, that's crazy enough to work, and they might use it. The offensive line, like, is this just going to happen every week now, Stephen? I think against the pass rushes left in the playoffs, you have to assume it will. Like the Bucks, the the Rams, the... 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bills, they all have good pass rushes. Like, it's not going to get any easier. This tends to happen when you get deeper into the playoffs. The teams get even better. It's also not like this came out of the blue. Like, when the Bengals' offense went on a tear late in the season, it wasn't because Burrow wasn't facing pressure. He was just finding a way to make it work. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. 
Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. All right, let's talk about what a disaster this is for the Titans. This was tough. Ryan Tannehill has now thrown four red zone interceptions this season, most in the NFL. Not a surprise. The Titans have now lost three straight home playoff games. They've never scored, this via PFF, they've never scored more than 16 points in any of those games. It's like the same game over and over and over again. Their last home playoff win was 2002. Shout out, Jeff Fisher. This was just a Ryan Tannehill implosion from the first play of the game. It was awful. Nora, where does this team go from here? Well, it, it goes into next year with a cap hit of $38,600,000 for Ryan Tannehill's services. I also saw that because I wanted to take shop a uh, Aaron Rodgers going to the Titans take. Not going to happen. It's a tough scene. They Look, here's the good news. They got the number one seed in the AFC. They're a playoff team. They won a lot of games this year. They won a lot of games that it seemed like they might not have won on paper. And... Running a back is not the worst thing in the world. I don't think that they really have another choice just because of the the financial burden. Steven, was this just Tannehill being Tannehill? Yeah, I don't even think it looked bad for his baseline performances throughout the year. Like, this is just who he is. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Dude. This is how he plays when he has to drop back and pass the ball when the running game is not working. This is how he plays. There's nothing better than an island an island game with a quarterback who puts up good numbers but is actually bad. It's like the greatest experience, and we got it. We got two of them today. But the problem is that your your offense is built around a running back who has a lot of carries on him, and he was getting older, and it just suffered a major foot injury. You have Julio Jones, who I believe, I think that was the last year of his contract. I'm not sure about that, but he's on his way out. I don't think he's going to be on the team for very much very much longer. You have a quarterback who's making a shitload of money and isn't very good, and on top of all that your record was a little fake this year. Like you weren't as good as your record. So next year is really looking bad for this team. This was the year to do it. And they were in position, the perfect position they could ask for not avoiding the chiefs and the bills in the second round, playing games at home, getting the buy, getting the only buy. And we saw what happened. I agree. But did you think they could win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, no, right? No, but they did. They're basically the same team. They, they were, yeah, I mean, everybody thinks they can win the Super Bowl. Well, and also, last offseason, it felt it was pretty popular to fade the Titans, too, right? Like, they're losing the coordinator, can't possibly keep this up. This has been a house of cards all along. And I do think, like, to put on my Kevin hat here, they've proven some impressive things about the culture and being able to sustain and being able to, you know, build fine guys, get it done. I don't think that it's, like, Totally hopeless. I think that they're going to be the same team next year that they were this year. There's a ceiling on them because of Ryan Tannehill. They're still going to win games. They still have, this is crucial, they still have the Jaguars and Texans in the division. That's four wins every single year, unless you're the Colts. It wasn't four wins this year. Both of those teams lost to the Jets. I think we should just ruminate on that for a little bit. All right. Well, I don't think it's time to panic in Tennessee. But this is the kind of loss. This reminds me a little bit of uh, of the despair. Completely different teams, but the despair of when Tennessee went into Baltimore a couple of years ago. And it was just like they just couldn't get right. And they just got – they had to – it was almost like existential. Like what the hell did we just do? Like why can't we beat the damn Bengals 
in a sloppy game that was there for us. If Ryan Tannehill hasn't doesn't throw that pick to to Mike Hilton, I mean, there's there's a million different things that could have changed the course of the game. I think they're going to think this is winnable in part because I don't think people realize how good this Bengals team is. I don't think people realize how good Joe Burrow is. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to the Super Bowl, but I think we're going to look back on this in five years and be like, of course Joe Burrow was in the AFC Championship game, right? And I, I don't feel like we're going to say that with this Titans team. This Titans team is what it is. I wouldn't be surprised if this Titans team was the number one seed next year. That's just something that happens now like okay fine you won 12 games 13 games you won a couple tiebreakers fine like they're the type of team that can do that the Bengals and joe burrow from now on are the type of team that can play the championship game every other year like playing in that end of the pool with josh allen with patrick mahomes that whole crew like one of the things i wrote about this the other day but everyone keeps saying i actually wrote the column on on friday and somebody said he has ended the segment today on countdown everyone keeps saying well this so-and-so is the next uh, Brady versus Manning, right? And that's just not going to happen anymore. Like, Allen versus Mahomes is not going to be Brady Manning because it's not going to last 15 years. Like, teams are different now. Like, everything has changed. Quarterbacks are different. There's more depth in the quarterback position than there was in 2000 when that rivalry started to develop. And so it's just going to be completely different. And guys like Joe Burrow are going to get in that. That's part of the problem with saying there's going to be a Brady and Manning. There's going to be like 10 Bradys and 10 Mannings or five and five, whatever. That, that, that's the difference. So that's my point. Are we at a spot where since there are so many Bradys and Mannings now that we're, we're not going to see the, I don't know what word to use, mediocre quarterbacks get these big deals, these mediocre starting quarterbacks? No, we're still going to see that. Ryan Tannehill is a $38 million cap hit, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, he does have a he has a twenty nine million dollar base salary. So, which at this point, like, if somebody you know, if Baker signed that, right, like that's a middle class deal relative to what top of the market gets. So, I I don't know. I think I, I think that's like a really 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 sort of game defining question right now. Is like, will there be any situation where guys are are able to break through and say, okay, you're not getting top of the market money just because you're a starter and you're in line for an extension it's gonna be good but it's not gonna be that good like at a certain point the numbers for the top line guys are going to get so high that you would think the market will develop some kind of middle strap but it ha- it hasn't happened yet you think that but then if baker was healthy this year he would have gotten insane money for not a lot of not a lot of relative talent compared to Josh Allen, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Like, if Baker was healthy this year, he would have gotten an insane number. Because all of this works on precedent, and there's no precedent, but someday somebody might but set we, a precedent. But we've been saying that, like, the closest was, like, Andy Dalton and even Colin Kaepernick in the mid-2010s. They got a little bit less. But then there was the Derek Carr's highest-paid player, Matt Stafford, like, that wave. That reset the precedent. And then once that happened, like, we were off to the races. And then everybody who was had shown any promise was getting near top of the line. I think Mahomes was an outlier, um, but I think that just just below that, you're going to see a lot of guys who are insanely highly paid. And to answer your question, Stephen, like, I think it's been over a decade since people have said, okay, this quarterback bubble is going to burst. You know, some team is going to – I mean, I, I told the story before, but I remember a GM was like, watch Jay Cutler in Chicago. Like, that's the, that's the baseline. If they extend Jay Cutler in Chicago for big money, then, like, everybody's going to do it. They're, then no one's ever going to draw a line in the sand. And then they did it. That was the, the contract that, that obviously was, was his last in Chicago. It didn't work out. But there, were, there have been chances for teams to draw the line in the sand, and they just haven't done it, partly because 
GMs and coaches know that if you don't have a quarterback, you get fired. So they talk themselves into it. Like that's part of this whole psychology thing is you talk yourself into it and you say, we can win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill because what other option do you have if you're Tennessee right now? Maybe I'm giving front offices too much credit, but I think like over the last two years, I think toolsy quarterbacks have like grown in prominence. There was like a time period where everyone wanted like the smart, accurate quarterback like Brady and, and Manning. But, like, if you're a Patriots fan and you watch that loss to the Bills and you see what Josh Allen is, how do you convince yourself that you're ever going to be able to compete with that yearly when you look at, like, a quarterback like Mac Jones or Ryan Tannehill? I think you could you could kind of squint and fool yourself into thinking Chad Pennington could be Tom Brady if you give him the right weapons. I don't think you can do that now with these quarterbacks that we're seeing, like Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Allen – these guys are like very obviously different, a different breed of quarterback than the middle of the road quarterback. And I don't think that was always the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Steven. Bottom line, feel for you, Titans. All right, we need to get to Aaron Rodgers here because we're running out of time. So here are the quotes. So Aaron Rodgers was asked about the salary cap challenges of the Packers, of which there are many. He said, quote, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and I don't want to be a part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. Hmm. On his own future, he said, quote, I'm going to take some time away and make a decision, obviously, before free agency and when everything gets going on that front. That's the quote I already read. And then there's one more um, that is, he said he didn't have a great night tonight. Pushes back on your narrative, Ruiz. He did not. He did not think he did nothing wrong. Um, He said he's going to talk to Goody in the next week and will consider how much longer he wants to play. The loss is too fresh to contemplate his future, he said, according to reporters who are there. Um, and then just kind of more of the same. He's numb. If you score 10 points, you're not going to win a lot of these games. Uh, didn't think it was going to end like this. So that's it. We're in a holding pattern. Rodgers was upset. We knew that. But now he's talking about sounds like maybe even more not playing anymore than trying to go to Denver or Pittsburgh. Nora, what do you think about these comments? I, I think the same. I think it, it sounds a lot like last season. Right. It sounds a lot like there's uncertainty for everybody. There's a lot of things that we don't know. I'm going to take some time away, you know, Uh, and maybe that means that we repeat the cycle and he ends up back at surprise, surprise. He's there in Green Bay for training camp. Or we repeat a different cycle, which is the Brett Favre Mississippi farm cycle. What's his equivalent of a Mississippi farm? Is it hanging out with Miles Teller? Yes. That's two miles so. Kentucky references. Derby. You know how much uh, cap space the Packers have for next year? Tell me. Negative forty point five million with forty one <laughs> players. Only forty one players signed. I feel like he dropped in that rebuild comment. He like he, he put some thought in, into that, and he's been thinking about it. What this offseason looks like for the Packers. I don't think it looks good. It could look like what the uh, offseason looked like for the Saints last year. I, I think you're right, but I think that this man has like staged his bookshelves to make a point at various times this season. So I, I just, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. The other thing he said was um, they, whether or not the team is still set up to win a Super Bowl with those things you just mentioned, Stephen. He said, quote, that's a fair question. Definitely one I've thought about. I don't know, man. Sounds like he doesn't want to play for the 2022 Packers. I'll discuss it with him on the pod. Me and him have. All right. Any other notes you guys had on tonight's games that you didn't uh, bring up? I I just wanted to talk about how small, I think we brought this up last week, like how small the margin for error for Joe Burrow is like, doesn't it feel like he played amazing in that game and he averaged like 10 yards per attempt and 
he was very close to losing that game and only scoring, what, 16, 19 points in it? Like, I don't know. Get him some help. He led all quarterbacks today with minus 0.2 EPA per Even his interception, it was like two inches off, two inches wide, and it turned into an interception. And, like, his margin for error is so small right now. And I don't know. I feel bad for him. You feel bad for him. I do. I wish he had more help. I think he would have a chance of winning the Super Bowl this year if he had more help. Um, that's probably true. Do you mean co- – okay, let me ask you a question. If you could, if you could import – one thing into Joe Burrow's life, new coach, new, new line. It would be a new, new coach. Okay. It would be a new coach. Like I, you watch the game and yes, they gave up some sacks where like an alignment just got beat up, beat up, beat straight up. And, but there was a lot where it was a scheme sack, like where they were rushing six and they only had five to block. Like it's hard to put that on the offensive line. You can't block six people and there's only five of you. All right. You guys excited for tomorrow? Oh yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you then. Solak will be here. Uh, we'll all be back in the midweek as well. This has been the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you to Chris Sutton for his production with additional production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal. Ramkapal.